Hey all, welcome to Ground Game Podcast. I'm your host Bushido Squirrel, and today we're sitting down with Jackson Hinkle, who is running for city council in San Clemente, and has been a very engaged uh, environmental activist and uh, young person. So before we get into that, how are you doing today, Jackson? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I guess to get started, uh, give me the elevator pitch on your campaign. The elevator pitch on my campaign is that elected officials throughout Orange County are not representing uh, young people or for progressive interests. And we're trying to change that. We're trying to give a voice to homeless people, uh, low-income individuals, and people who want to see our cities transition to sustainable futures. And for people who aren't super familiar with San Clemente, tell us a little bit about it. You know, maybe budget level, if you know, stuff like that. Um, some basic demographics. Like, what what does life in San Clemente look like? Yeah, so we're a mid-sized city. We're running at about 66,000 people right now. Um and it's a pretty well-off community. Uh, average income is about 80,000, a little bit over 80,000. Um, and it is a predominantly uh, white conservative town uh, right on the coast and you know the southernmost city in Orange County. And it's very conservative. So you know the numbers are gonna be tough, but we're gonna try to make the numbers. And where do you wanna make those numbers? Cause are you looking to convert the um, you know, sort of Trump voting small business owners, the retired folks, the young folks, like who are you aiming to convert into voters for you? Uh, really anyone, you know, the, the, the vast majority of Americans believe in progressive policies. And when you really sit down and, and, you know, listen or read and look at what people like myself are trying to um, implement in our cities, people see that, you know, these are the right solutions and these are going to get us where we need to be as a city, as a county, you know, even even on the national level. Um, so anyone who will listen, we're going to be talking to them and, and, you know, trying to educate them because I think most people will agree with us. And uh, I noticed you've got a DSA patch on. So this, I think, transitions well because we've seen some big DSA victories the last week and actually the last few months. Uh, but why DSA? Why are you repping for them? Why are you throwing in? And do you see yourself as a DSA candidate or is that something that just informs your plan? Yeah, I definitely see myself um, as a member of the DSA. Um, obviously, city. And, uh, just sorry to, to roll back. DSA is Democratic Socialists of America. I do the acronym thing a lot, and I have to remind myself not everyone knows the alphabet soup that I know. So, <laughs> yeah. sorry about that. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes we get we get all wrapped up in the jargon, but um, yeah. So I see myself as a Democratic Socialist. Um, city council elections are nonpartisan, so you can't actually declare, um, you know, what party you're affiliated with, but. Um, yeah, I see myself as a democratic socialist, a progressive uh, candidate for, for San Clemente City Council. And, you know, the the recent elections that have been going on, all the primaries, whether it's been Gail McLaughlin in uh, California or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in New York, um, they've all been inspiring and they've been extremely, for the most part, extremely successful when going up against the political establishment. because. You know, these people are not only um, giving solutions that speak to speak to the vast majority of Americans, but they're for the first time actually speaking to the vast majority of Americans. They're not just going to uh, the wealthiest campaign contributors and looking for a dollar here and there. Um, you know, these are people who really care and care about the issues that no one else does. So that's why I see myself as a you know a DSA member. And what are some of the the ways? Well, I guess I would ask, for a nonpartisan election, do you feel like that frees you more or inhibits you more? Because 
party structure, endorsements, those things are generally valuable in campaigns, and the the nonpartisan campaigns are meant to undermine that a little bit, but it doesn't always. But how how do you feel about that process? Yeah, I think I think that you know the majority of people in San Clemente know I'm a democratic socialist. Um, a lot of people try to use that to my disadvantage and and say, look, this individual is a democratic socialist. Uh, but then when they start looking at what does a democratic socialist means, it means you know expanding affordable housing. It means um, you know creating permanent supportive housing for homeless individuals. You know, uh, creating rent control, repealing Costa Hawkins, things like that, and. People, people, when they when they start to look at it and listen to what what we're really trying to do, they understand that you know that's the way that we should be collectively moving. And how are you uh, galvanizing support now? Have you been doing canvases? Like, what's your what's your ground game look like, as it were? Yeah. So our ground game right now, we actually myself and my peers. I just graduated from San Clemente High School, by the way. I'm 18 years old. Um, uh, yeah, we probably should have yeah. looked at that because it is like, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, you are pretty young for a candidate. Yeah, yeah, pretty young, um, the youngest you can be. And my my peers and I, who just we just graduated from high school, we actually formed a coalition called Orange County Students for City Council, and um, that coalition is uniting young progressive and corporate free students throughout Orange County to run for city council offices. So. Right now, we're seeing um, national support actually for city council campaigns, which is incredible. You know, we're we're getting um, people reaching out to us. We were just on the Young Turks. People from the New York Times and the LA Times are starting to reach out to us, and um, there, there's broad support for what we're doing. Well, and it's one thing that we wrestle with here at Ground Game a lot, and I know from like my history because my dad was a big GOP funder, and he hung with uh, one of his best friends, paid the largest fines ever for a campaign finance scheme for the Dole campaign, and they're good at organizing money. We're bad at that on the left, or at least we have been. So you're beginning to see that change, um, or do you feel like that's beginning to change? That you're getting access to more of those resources and more um, more material support because we do run on money, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, you know, every campaign needs money and and runs on money. But what we're seeing is that you know, in the past, in San Clemente elections, which is where I'm running. Um, you know, there's been candidates who who raise forty thousand who end up not you know not making it and not winning, and there's been candidates who raise eight thousand dollars and win, and so what we're really trying to do with our campaign and the other students who are running throughout Orange County is to not so much focus on the fundraising, even though we're seeing a lot of fundraising come and a big wave of support coming right now. Um, we're we're really trying to focus on getting out knocking on doors, canvassing, and talking to people. Because again, the lab- the labels that are placed on young people and on uh, far left candidates can be, you know, divisive. Um, but when we go out and talk about the issues, that that's where we see we're going to win. And what are the issues you want to engage people on? Like what when, when you come to my doorstep, what are you telling me you want to do if you get that seat? Yeah, so in San Clemente, um, you know, we're, we're a coastal community. Um, and there's actually a lot of untouched habitats that still remain in San Clemente, the San Mateo watershed being one of them. It's a world-class surf destination. And there, there's been a governmental agency called the Transportation Corridor Agency that's been trying to build a toll road through, through that area uh, for, for decades now. So the main thing is, you know, stopping things like that, that toll road from going through, and in addition to it being environmentally disastrous, 
um, it's it's socioeconomically discriminatory. Um, in addition to that, you know, we have a we have a nuclear uh, power plant, if you've ever seen that, driving south. Yeah, and it, it's pretty uh, hard to miss, and it also was back in the news. Do you want to talk a little bit about how it got to the state where it's at now, how it got to being shut Oof. down? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, actually, the, the so yeah, the nuclear power plant is called um, San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station, and its um, main owner is Southern California Edison, um, their utility company. Um, so the plant, it, it had a failure years ago when I was in about second grade, and I was going to the closest school uh, next to it, an elementary school. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the plant had a failure due to a um, uh, error by Southern California Edison workers, and also partially due to the uh, manufacturer of um, the part that failed, which was Mitsubishi. Um, so, you know, the fault was on both sides there and it did leak radiation, but it was contained leak of radiation. So it didn't actually get out into the public. Um, but that was that was the second time that the plant had a major error like that. And a community group called San Clemente Green was really instrumental in the shutting down of that. We actually had a former prime minister from Japan come out and speak at San Clemente. Um, and What's interesting is that that group, San Clemente Green, that was instrumental in the shutdown, just endorsed my campaign. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. So I was really excited about that. Um, and and now, so now the, everyone thought it was kind of going to be over with the shutting down of the plant. Mm -hmm. But there's a bunch of radioactive nuclear waste that is sitting on our beach now, you know, 108 uh, feet away from the coastline, 31 inches away from the water table in an extremely corrosive environment right next to the salt air. And um, the waste is being stored in canisters that are five eighths of an inch thick that cannot be repaired, monitored, or transported. And that's a really good plan there. Yeah. So they, they, there's obviously you know so many issues going on there. Not to mention that um, to this day, SoCal Edison releases radioactive effluent into the ocean and into the air, and um, that that little problem is gaining a lot of traction right now in my city and people are starting to realize what's going on. And uh, SoCal Edison just held a big community engagement uh, meeting um, in our town. And there was, there was hundreds of people there who were speaking out against them. So it's really, really cool to see what's going on, but it's also extremely frightening to know that I've been surfing there my whole life and I've had that, you know, flowing out into the ocean with me. Yeah, um, I, I want to ask, because when we think of nuclear waste um, and like nuclear power generation, we generally think of federal level issues because it's very, you know, sensitive, toxic stuff. Uh, also, these are all federally controlled plants. Um, but what's the role of local governments and local activist groups in helping get to a solution on this? Yeah, so... As I mentioned earlier, it was a local activist group that shut down the plan in the first place. Can so. I ask how they how they did that? If, do you know much about the campaign? Like yeah. letter writing, lobbying, um, actions? It was things of that nature. It was a lot of media support saying, look, this plant just leaked radioactive, wa or radioactive um, uh, energy into, luckily not the public, but into a contained area. And it could have been way worse. Mm -hmm. And then getting that media support and getting elected officials like the former prime minister to come out and speak is a pretty big deal. And then getting, you know, other elected officials throughout California to come speak at a big event. And then the investors of the plant actually saw that and said, look, we're not going to invest in any more production of energy at this plant. So 
it's going to be shut down. Okay. Yeah. So unfortunately, there's no one like there's no big investors in, um, well, as big of investors in nuclear waste uh, storage. Um, there, there still are, but it's not as big. Um, but from from a local level, you know, there's so much that could be done. And you're right, like it's the DOE that has to manage manage the waste, and it it's the utility company that has to actually deal with decommissioning the plant, which is like deconstructing it. Um, but right now, our mayor of San Clemente, uh, just for you know starters, he wants to send the waste to. Um, Lee County, New Mexico, which is, uh, you know, um, majority minority city or county, and they already have extremely high cancer rates and infant mortality rates because there is uranium enrichment going on there. And, um, you know, the, the people of Lee County have spoken out against it. And unfortunately, you know, they have representatives, elected officials in Lee County who see it as a source of income because they're going to get money to take the waste in. It's pretty much what we would describe as environmental racism. Oh, totally. Totally. And unfortunately, the San Clemente City Council doesn't care about that right now. Ooh, yeah. Can I ask, um, to transition for a moment, so out of the, the theoretical, but uh, what are your criticisms of the, the San Clemente City Council? Because clearly you didn't wake up on your 18th birthday and think, I'm going to run for city council because they're doing a swell job. So what are the things you want to fix and reform, and what are the major issues you see? Yeah, so there, like I was saying, nuclear waste, the toll road, we talked about those two. Um, homelessness is another big one. Um, we currently have an increasing homeless population in Orange County, and no one's really doing anything about it unfortunately and it just a couple months ago um our county board of supervisors the or the state the california state was doing an audit of um our county of orange county and when the state was about to come through and look at the funds for mental health services our county board of supervisors came out and said oh we have over two hundred million dollars in, uh, you know, hidden money that could have been used to address homelessness. Just, just unspent funds. Yeah, yeah, that they were hiding. So, um, and that's partially due to the county board of supervisors, but that's also partially due to uh, city councils throughout our county that have failed to say, "Look at this, and let's create solutions." Because right now, um, you know, our city council is boasting that they're going around the ACLU and implementing camping bans in our town and uh, doing things of the like, in increasing uh, deputies on our police force and stuff like that. So we need to move away from incarcerating these people and saying, and, and also another thing that our city does is um, ships the homeless throughout our county to different areas that may have like more wraparound services and stuff. But in reality, our, our county as a whole is underserved. So when you take homeless people that are in San Clemente and ship them to North County, you're not solving a problem. You're just, you know, dumping uh, these people's issues onto, like, you're dumping them further north and you're not doing anything really. You're just creating a hassle for them. Yeah, it's it's the difference between L.A. County and Orange County in terms of dealing with the unhoused populations is really night and day. And I don't want to say, like, L.A. County is doing everything perfect, but Measure H and most Measure HHH billion dollars for housing over the course of 10 years um and and uh we're seeing a fight for bridge housing coming from the top down you know we're very involved in the koreatown fight uh dana rohrbacher for some reason came back from washington to yell at 
at people who are suffering from addiction and mental illness and yell at them to bootstrap themselves up and, you know, they can't have a shelter until they fix their lives, at which point they wouldn't need a shelter, but not a lot of logic there. Yeah. But um, I was going to say, when when you're dealing with those kinds of issues at the local level in San Clemente, what do you want to be doing? You want to be lobbying for more funds to build shelter there? You want to be coordinating with the, the county more? What are what are your hopes for, for that problem? Because that is an on-the-ground local problem that I feel like city councils are well-positioned to deal with yeah. or to provide some... some um, some success, some wins for people on the street. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned earlier, the funds are there. They've just been hidden. Um, and can I ask how many San Clemente has or might have access to? Do you know? So right now, San Clemente is pretty strapped. Um, you know, we're we're at the peak of what uh, we can allocate towards things like of this nature. But also, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're doing things like taking money from from one pot and saying, let's hire on two new deputies at full-time pay. Um, so I see money being allocated for things that are actually um, creating more of a problem right now when we could be taking money and putting it towards solutions. So it, it's really about changing where we're putting money. Um, in addition to that, you know, what we need to do is start working together with other cities in the county and saying that we need to address this issue. Because right now, everyone's just kind of going to homelessness meetings, all the mayors are going to their homeless meetings and not really doing anything. Um, so one thing that we need to look at is with this coalition is saying that, you know, we, we have a we have a band, a coalition of progressive youth who are running for city council positions all throughout the county. And we need to make sure that they get elected because they're going to be the ones who who solve this problem of homelessness. And people in our county right now are just just you know, whether it's they're they're out trying to help them and feed them or provide some form of services for them, um, or if they're on Facebook posting videos of them and saying horrible things about the homeless, no one really wants to see homelessness continue. Everyone wants a solution, so that's what we intend to do. And it, it's uh, I've done a, an interview, and we do a lot of work with everyone in the uh, United Way Coalition up here that was big on getting Measure H and HHH passed. And one thing that they did is they they finally they're like you know everyone believes that people would rather get people off the street than see a long-term solution. Absolute opposite. 66% of people said they would rather see tents for longer if it meant we solved the problem. And that's something that I think a lot of people neglect. Um, and one reason I think city councils are uniquely able to deal with these problems because they're directly connected to the citizens of those local areas. Uh, but to shift gears real quick, you have uh, quite a history of environmental activism and have won some awards and accolades for that. Uh, before I ask my real question, uh, the Zizu Institute, is that uh, a Wes Anderson reference? Yes. All right. I thought so. Um, <laughs> I begrudgingly approve. It's just kind of cool that I see that that title coming up and yeah. it's like you're just a uh, you got a Wes Anderson uh, reference into like scientific literature, but uh, tell us about the Zizu Institute and the other stuff you've been doing. Yeah, so it's um, Team Zizu. Um, Team yeah. Zizu is uh, an environmental organization I started um, a couple years back while, while I was in high school, and the idea behind the name is to say, hey, look, let's provide a really cool opportunity, like a fun opportunity for. Um, you know, young people in our community to get involved in environmental advocacy. And um, it really worked because no one's like, people are way more likely to join Team Zisu than they are like, like San Clemente High School Environmental Coalition, you know, like yeah. that. So um, 
you know, we've been involved with uh, whether whether it's doing activists like badass shit, like doing sister marches for um, the No Dapple movement, um, you know, standing up for the people in Standing Rock, uh, or or working on the nuclear waste issue that we talked about, the toll road issue. Uh, just this year, we actually completed a two-year campaign to get plastic water bottles out of over 60 schools in our school district. Yeah, we uh, we worked with Jaden Smith on that son of Will actor Will Smith, yeah. if you know him. <laughs> he says some he says some interesting stuff on Twitter. I can I can dig it. He's he seems like an odd cat. He he's uh he's thinking he's yeah. thinking and um yeah he he's an incredible asset. Uh, he's actually supported my campaign and the other Orange County students who are running, and we're gonna have some things coming up with that soon. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and and we also Team Zisu, the students of Team Zisu also helped lead a movement to get solar panels on six high schools in our school district. Very cool. Yeah. So you know, we're all working really hard, and I think we have a history of showing that we can produce results, good results. Um, and we try to use that to combat anyone who says like you you don't have enough life experience to run or anything like that because we do get a lot of that. Yeah. And it seems like you've got quite a bit of, of organizing and activism experience. And I was hoping you could tell me what your hopes are for OC students for uh, city council. Is this something that you see as like a one-time wave movement type coalition? Is this something that you want to uh, spawn other movements across the state? Like what are what are really your hopes for the next like couple of election cycles with this? Yeah, yeah. That, great question. Um, so Orange County students for city council right now, we have a team of six as of today uh we're looking at seven candidates um who've already you know we've mobilized and we're supporting and we're still recruiting more um in orange county to run but just like what you said these next few election cycles we hope to expand from just orange county to saying hey look like let's let's help you guys start um you know san bernardino's uh, students for city council or something like that and we've we see a lot of success in the sort of county-wide coalition sort of approach to this. Um, it's a lot easier to to unite and mobilize on certain issues and for media purposes and stuff like that. Um, but even in Orange County, we've, we've had a handful of 14, 15, 16, and 17-year-olds who are reaching out to us and saying, I want to run for city council. And we have to be the ones that tell them, like, look, you have to be 18 unfortunately but um you know there's a there's a real 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 lack of uh representation youth representation in american politics today yeah especially i mean the senate and the house are always much older richer and whiter than any demographic survey of america uh for uh for young people that are running though um or sorry for uh the the candidates that you are supporting endorsing um you know, are you guys are, are you all running on a slate? Is there like a core set of ideas that you have to endorse to be endorsed by it, or is it just candidates that you you guys think are, might be successful and and have the enough good progressive bona fides to to pass your to pass whatever bar they need to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely some things that like not every candidate agrees on, mm -hmm. um, and that I, I'm going to go out on a limb in the OC and, OC and say one of them's probably guns. Uh, no, and that that's not even really that much of an issue for city councils, but I I was hinting at police. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that, because the police are far more controversial than they used to be. When I was at, uh, we, we had the Families Belong Together march yesterday at the Occupy Encampment, and uh, Food Not Bombs brought vegan burritos, and the cops, like, 
forced us to clear the street eventually. And so they do their sweep down where they walk, you know, nine across and just walk down the street to be like, this is ours again. And as they're walking by, the one of the uh, people who stopped by the march who was helping me work the food table offered one of the cops a burrito. And I was kind of like, you know, I'll never offer a cop a burrito, but I won't stop you from offering a cop a burrito because he's still he's still a human. But uh, it, it, the, the position of the police and their function in society is more... Uh, controversial and igniting a lot more tension than it used to. Um, tell me about that on the local level and if you can tie that into to what that has meant for your slate. Yeah, well, um, you know, our slate, uh, I can't speak on behalf of the entire you know, slate of candidates um, because we do have varying, impu- uh, or varying views on uh, policing. Um, my view is that we should be looking towards preventing ca- crime from happening and investing in programs that or or programs and policies that will actually prevent crime from happening in the first place than saying, uh, you know, let's let's allow this to take place. And we know that we're not going to be covering all the cracks in society. Let's and then and then we'll address it with police, because as we know, police disproportionately impact, target, kill, whatever. Um, you know, low-income individuals and people of color, yeah. and that is, you know, we we just can't have it anymore because. No matter how many uh, reform packages are put through, however many uh, policies that are supposed to improve that issue are put through, we continue to see it not only occur, but really, you know, either get worse or stay at the same level uh, in America. So I'm opposed to the idea of continuing policing in the same way that we have been for years. Mm-hmm. And more of an investment, it sounds like, in services and, like, mental health care workers. And because in here in L.A., we've spent a lot of money uh, providing things to the homeless, which is generally a lot of cops. Um, and we're, we're working on changing that. But it seems like you're on that tip, too. And it, and the city council would get, be a good way for you to provide those services and explore new ways to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't have the numbers yet for um, it's. It's a bit different with Orange County because everything in Los Angeles County or Los Angeles, the city is very publicized and there's very uh, well documented, um, you know, reports on these things. But in Los Angeles, you have during during uh, homeless encampment sweeps, you have about two to three cops per homeless person at these things. And you have zero mental health workers for for each homeless person. So that just speaks for itself that you have people who have like clearly have mental health issues, but instead of providing them with those services and trying to support them and say, you know, let's help with your whatever it may be, addiction or finding a job or, you know, securing a, a stable wage or something like that, you know, um, we're, we're saying we're just going to incarcerate you because you were sleeping on this street past 6 a.m. Yeah. And uh, so to shift gears again, when you're looking at how your campaign fits into this larger national wave, because we touched on uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez earlier and um, uh, Danica Rome up in Virginia or back in Virginia leaps to mind. But where do you want to see this going? Um, how do you want to spur more people to run for this local office? I feel like city council. One thing that the the Koch brothers got right is they took over boards of education, college boards, city councils, and now it's time for us to reverse that wave. How do you want to get the word out to other young people? Yeah, um, well, one of the ways that we're really doing that is through, um, you know, social media. We're trying to build a really, really big, strong social media presence, and um, you know, social media. I'm I'll say it, it's a double-edged sword, but it can be used for a lot of good social change. 
Um, and and I think with this generation right now, whatever you want to call it, millennials or Generation Z. Um, I, I prefer to be called Generation Oregon Trail because I really like that game and it does describe <laughs> me. But yeah, we've got a lot of like weird branding cohorts. Yeah, yeah, labels, labels. Um, yeah, so what 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 we're seeing now with people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's 28 years old, you know, she doesn't have the option to uh, say, you know, I could I could create some climate positive policy or I could take money from the fossil fuel industry to help my campaign. She she's going to be here for, you know, decades longer, 50, 60, 70 more years. And she knows that if she wants to have a planet that is worth living in and her kids, if she decides to have kids, you know, a planet that's worth living in for them, um, that we need to start, you know, investing in climate solutions, putting forth climate policy solutions um, because we have to, not because we have a choice. So what we're seeing now with issues like climate change, issues like gun reform, issues such as uh, economic inequality, we're seeing these things get to such a boiling point that we have to act now. So I think that just the sheer nature of where we're at as a society is going to force young people to run. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely has to happen. And here's the thing is like we, where Ground Game came from is a, a city council candidate uh, who volunteered for Bernie and Bernie said, get out there and run. And so Jessica did. And we had no idea what we were doing. And we stumbled our way through it and we got some wins. Uh, and now we're camped out in front of a federal detention facility because that's how life goes in politics nowadays. Uh, but for people who want to get involved with uh, OC Students for City Council, get involved with your campaign specifically, um, you know, give you money to do that or get involved with uh, Team Jiju, uh, all the shout outs. Give us all of the shout outs and places to go. Yeah, so for um, OC Students for City Council, we have um, just a standard handle across all platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's OC Students and then the number four and then city council or OC students, the number four CC. Okay. Yeah. OC for OC students for CC. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And then for Team Zisu, it's um, at Team Zisu Global only on Instagram. And then our website for OC students is OC students, the number four city council dot org. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very, very much. And uh, the election will be coming up in November. Uh, how many people are you running against? Just out of curiosity. Oh, boy. I think we have, we're, we're edging towards six or seven candidates right now that we're, or wow. eight, actually, that we're running against. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of interest for a small town. Yeah, we got three open seats right now. So lots of uh, conservative minds going head to head. And then a couple, couple opposed to that. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you very much, Jackson, and I look forward to seeing where this goes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Shut this up. Take this.